As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. As Egypt scraped through to the knockout stages last night on another night of pure drama at AFCON. That's a high ball over the top. It's there! Mo Salah was resigned to cheering on his teammates from the stands with a hamstring injury. As Salah returns to Liverpool for treatment, there is still confusion about almost every aspect of the injury and how it was communicated by his club and country. So, is his tournament over? And have the institutions who are there to help him achieved the opposite? I'm Ayo Akimolere. Welcome to the Athletic Football Podcast. Okay, let's get into this on a Tuesday. Here for today's episode, we have the Athletics' Oli Kay and also our Cairo-based tactics writer and Egypt fan, Ahmed Walid. We'll also hear from senior writer Simon Hughes is actually out there at the moment covering AFCON throughout the show. Right, Ahmed, 2-2, Egypt, Cape Verde. And look, I was watching the Ghana game and I kept my eye on the Egypt game. Both games, incredible drama, but what a game. Yeah, crazy. Like Mozambique equalising at the end. It, it was really crazy. It was Egypt without uh, Mohamed Salah. I thought considering all the circumstances, they played well. Uh, but throughout the tournament, Egypt without the ball, I know they haven't conceded many shots, but they looked porous. Like some of the teams could play through them. But yesterday they created a lot of chances, but with a small asterisk that it was Cap Verde B team. Like there were seven changes to the to the first line that played the first two games. I guess the missing link, as you said, was Mo Salah and Oli. You know, seeing him on the sidelines, full of emotion. You know, people are, are doubting uh, whether or not he wants to be at Afcon. I mean, it's fair to say he 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 was feeling every kick of the ball there. Yeah, you could you could you could see his anxiety. I mean, you could see how anxious he was. You could see how anxious. Every Egyptian in the stadium and on the pitch was, but, but Salah obviously um, looked terribly anxious as, as the game was going on, and you could see him sort of kicking every ball from out there. I mean, I know, I know, there has always been this sort of question mark and criticism of of Salah. You know, is he is he as engaged and committed to his international career as as 
his club career. And I just see it as, I see it as very similar to the criticism that Lionel Messi had in, in Argentina. I think it's very, very easy when you've got that sort of superstar figure who is so huge on the, on the, on the club scene, it becomes very easy to accuse them of, of, of caring more about, about their club. And I, I just don't think it's true. I, I think it's maybe there's been the odd English football where that, where that mm. seems to be true. But when I see, you know, Messi playing for Argentina, Salah playing for, for Egypt, Ronaldo playing for Portugal, you see players who are totally, totally invested in it. If you look at Salah's career, they've come so close. It's very similar to that Messi scenario where people are saying, well, he hasn't ever he hasn't ever won the big one for, for, for his country. He's been unfortunate to turn up at this tournament and get injured. Uh it doesn't mean he's not committed to his country. I think I think that's um I think I think that's very unfair for people to accuse him of that. Ahmed, I was talking to a friend of mine, um, Egyptian national over here yesterday, and I was saying, you know, what 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 are your thoughts on Salah? You know, he was like, look, regardless of what people say about him for for country, he's reliable. He turns up all the tournaments, he's there. Um, and we've seen, you know, say Andrew Onana and all the players, big players for, for, for other teams. AFCON sometimes feels like this kind of thing where they want to sort of be part of or not, but most of has always been there. Yeah, and if you check Salah's record with the national team, it's, I think, 53 goals and 23 assists in 96 games. So 86 goal contributions in 96 games. And Salah has played with really poor Egypt squad. But I don't think the narrative around Salah is is because of his performances. Obviously, there are some people who are criticizing his performances. And as Oli says, some people are saying that he cares more about Liverpool. But all these claims, like, they're just claims, opinions at the end of the day. But again, I don't think the issue is the performance. It's everything around Salah and what he has said, what he hasn't said, when he has said it, what he has done that influences these opinions. So how bad is Salah's injury? Well, the reports are that it's much worse than first feared. He's now facing a month out. So here's what Sai Hughes told us on the ground from the Ivory Coast this morning. So let's try and put a timeline together of, of exactly what's happened. On Friday, Egypt announced that Salah would miss two, the next two games. They also announced that he'd, he'd had an X-ray, which was strange because X-rays usually monitor bone damage. So I asked for clarification over this, whether he'd actually had an X-ray or an MRI scan. I was informed that this was lost in translation, but I, I don't think it helped because it, it gave the perception that the Egypt team doctor or doctors had not conducted their work thoroughly enough, certainly in the early stages of the conversation. Two days later on Sunday, Mohamed Salah suddenly appeared at the Palais de Culture Theatre in Trishville in Abidjan to do the press conference for his national team where he did admit that he was still injured. I think it was a show of strength from Salah. It seemed like he was still out for two games and that he would still be with Egypt for the rest of the tournament and he would recover. Later on that afternoon, Jürgen Klopp announced that he was returning to Liverpool. So I obviously checked this with the Egyptian FA who confirmed to me the next morning that the, the plan had been to keep this information under wraps until after the Cape Verde game. They would not confirm whether they, whether or how they had communicated this with Liverpool. And then eventually we got clarity off Rami Abbas, Salah's agent, that he would in fact be out for 21 days. And this is why he was going back to Liverpool. It gave him the best opportunity to maybe come back for uh, the national team right at the end of the tournament. 
The problem for Salah is, had Egypt gone out against Cape Verde, he could have gone home and nobody would have known about this, but instead to put a lot of pressure on him and his teammates ahead of that game. With that pressure, it then creates the narrative that if they get through, if Egypt get through the tournament, that you know, the team is better off without him. I don't necessarily think that that is the case. And he almost can't win now, really, from, from this position, really. If he gets back, I would, I would suspect there'd be a lot of pressure on the manager to actually keep the team as it is, really. So in the meantime, we've had the national team doctor from Egypt confirming that they plan to keep this plan secret until after the Egypt game against Cape Verde. Quite clearly, quite annoyed by how this information is ended up getting out. The institutions really that sort of protecting Salah or meant to be haven't really by the way they've approached all of this. The, the, the bigger question is like, will we see him again at, at Afghan? Do you reckon, Ollie? I would say. Well, I mean, it, it looked it looked last night that we certainly wouldn't because it looked like Egypt were going out. Uh, mm. It depends how how long Egypt stay in the tournament, doesn't it? I mean, it, you know, they haven't played well to get to this point, but. If they were to reach the semi-final or, or final, I think I think there would be a, an expectation or a hope in Egypt that he would he would return for that. It just depends how how the injury is. Um, I think people are more in tune with the idea now that it that it's a serious semi-serious injury rather than a, a sort of mm-hmm. one one game two games one. So I think people are aware of that time frame. That yes, it could be semi-finals. I think it had previously been said it could be quarterfinals and then Rami Abbas's verdict suggests potentially longer I don't know I mean just what one thing I was going to mention was that I was at, at Bournemouth Bournemouth Liverpool on Sunday and when Klopp said that that's the plan if that's already decided 100% I don't know but that's the plan if, if he cannot uh, however how long ever he has he's out um, and I think it makes Probably everybody sees like that makes sense that he just is doing the rehab then, with us or with our people. I immediately thought, you know, is this is this going to be a big club v country row? Because clearly Liverpool want their player back. I don't imagine Egypt want their player to be sent back. I would imagine they want to be to keep him there. But um, it very quickly emerged that um, the Egyptian FA were on board with this with this plan, um, which surprised me a bit to be honest. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't. Say it was England at, at the World Cup, or even and Tottenham or Bayern Munich, as it is now, had said, "Let's let's take Harry Kane out of the England squad. Let's treat him back here." I think, um, yeah, I, I would have been surprised if that had happened. And I, I, I'm keen to know from Ahmed whether people in Egypt are, are comfortable with that. Whether I mean, I, I guess the fans aren't. I don't know how the media is, but are, are people sort of level-headed and thinking, "Yeah, if, if, the, if the FA have gone along with this." Then, then we're fine with it? Or are they thinking this doesn't seem right? I think Oli has hit the right spot. I was going to mention the Kane England mm-hmm. Bayern Munich example. So he hit the right spot. So I think to judge the situation, let's take the sequence of events. On Friday morning, the AFA said he'll miss two games. So last press conference around midday Sunday, he spoke really well and in a rational way and said that the country needs to support the player, etc. Klopp said that he may be returning to the final in time for the final. And there was a bit of panic in Egypt. The EFA thing said that he might be returning to the semi-final. So at this point, you can understand why people are angry. Their national team captain, because Mohamed Salah is not the best player. He's the national team captain. So he has obligations because he's the captain. He's leaving the camp during the tournament for a hamstring injury that initially said it was going to take him out for only two games. 
but Klopp said final, so that's four games. The EFA said semi-final, that's three games. So conflicting information that the public are receiving about their captain leaving, this really irritated the people. And because the information came from Klopp, it didn't come from the EFA. That's another problem. Because now we're recording this in hindsight after we knew with more details, but in the sequence of events, it really made the people mad. It feels like it, it feels like it would be harsh to take that out on Salah because because it feels like the Egyptian FA have gone along with this plan and perhaps should have been more proactive in terms of getting that information out there rather than rather than leaving the player kind of um, caught in the middle and, and taking the heat. I think it's a communication failure from all involved, even Liverpool. Because according to uh, Egypt national team doctor, Mohamed Abu Ila, he said that the agreement was that it was going out after the Cap Verde game. Actually, Klopp said it earlier. And when the Athletic asked Liverpool for the comment, as of the time of the recording, we haven't received Liverpool's comment around this situation. So I think it's a PR problem from all involved, even Rami, because you're presenting conflicting information and the information is coming from different sources. You're listening to the Athletic Football Podcast with Ayo Akinwalere. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Now, has Salah's um, perception in Egypt changed uh, a, a bit over the last few years? You look at, you know, him being the saviour in the World Cup qualifying what, in 2017. Um, how... Do the nation of Egypt feel about the captain of the national team at this moment in time, Ahmed? I would say before uh, Sunday, it was a bit mixed. After Sunday and after Klopp's statement, I think it was more about people being irritated and sad. And then now with the information coming out, I don't know what the perception will be. But I think the important question is, let's take it back to around 2013 or 2014 when Salah was basically playing with not really good players because the great teams of Egypt in 2006, 2008, and 2010 who won the Africa Cup of Nations for three times in a row, like Mohamed Abutreka, Ahmed Hassan, Mohamed Barakat, all these players, they were gone. Egypt didn't have the quality of the players. So even as Salah improved, like Egypt's squad was not good. And the fact that Salah took Egypt to the World Cup is a massive thing. And... If anyone goes back and watches the video on YouTube of Egypt versus uh, uh, Congo mm. on 8, 8 October 2017, you'll see that Salah actually qualified Egypt by scoring a penalty in the stoppage time in the 94th minute, if I remember correctly. Muhammad Salah, Muhammad Salah, Allah, 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 
That's how Egypt qualified. And people went on the field. They were carrying him above his shoulders. You see where that was, 2017. Mm. And now we're talking about how people are sad from him. What happened is that before the World Cup, you could also see the people's support when Salah had a dispute with the Egyptian FA regarding his image rights. And the general public supported Salah. And then Salah thanked them on Twitter. The tweet is still there. And part of Salah's popularity is not only because he's a great footballer, it's because he has never been associated to Al-Ahli or Zamalek, the two biggest clubs in the country. And any player associated with one will, not, will never have the support of the other. So because he hasn't played with any, he has the support of both fans, sets of fans. So the problem started in the 2018 World Cup when the fans felt that the players didn't return the, grat the gratitude after people paid a lot of money to go to Russia to support the team. It's not about performance. It's mainly about how uh, people were sad that the players like didn't salute them after the games, etc. Things like that. It's not about the performances. And then the big thing was the Afghan 2019. It was in Egypt. We were the host nations. And Egypt went out in the round of 16 against an average South Africa side, really. And Egypt weren't playing well. But the situation in this tournament was with Amr Warda, who was a colleague of Salah in the national team. So Warda was dropped due to uh, behavioral reasons. And the following day, Salah tweeted about how people needed to believe in second chances. And this tweet didn't go well. People were really against Warda coming back to the national team. And then there's the part about what Salah says on social media, what he doesn't say, when he says it. So all this, you can put it in a box and then put on top of it what happened on Sunday. So Sunday isn't the beginning. The beginning happened like in the World Cup 2018. I think that's, that's the part that needs to be uh, said before what we're talking about Sunday. Yeah, I'm just thinking, well, Ahmed is talking, Oli, in terms of that statue of Salah, you know, messy style, messy-like character on the field. Um, but I guess in comparison to the Argentinian squad, um, I think Messi maybe had a few better personnel around him. I don't know. I don't want to diss the Egyptian national team in any way, shape or form. But, you know, is the pressure too much on, on, on Salah's shoulders? Does he also need the personnel around him to, to, to execute? You know, we talk about the, you know, the most successful team in AFCON, um, Egypt. Salah can't do it alone, you know? Yeah, and it, it, it does remind me, I mean, I, I mentioned, I made it the point earlier at the, um, at the start about, about Messi and, and that sort of parallel. It does, seem, it does seem quite a similar dynamic. I mean, he doesn't have that sort of baggage of coming from one of the big Argentinian clubs and, and, mm. and likewise with, with Salah in Egypt. He spent the majority of his professional career outside of his native country. He's become this huge, huge superstar who, when he arrives on international duty and particularly with the big tournaments is probably expected to carry the team. And as, um, as Ahmed says, it's not, it's not a, a brilliant supporting cast the way it's not the greatest generation of Egyptian players. It might be the greatest Egyptian player in Salah, but he cannot do it on his own. Same as, same as Messi couldn't. When Messi finally won, won the World Cup with Argentina, it was with a really, really well-organised, committed, united, tactically balanced team that they'd come really close in the Copa America before and and penalty shootouts and, and, and things like that. Very similar with 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 Salah with Egypt. So I, I think it's it's 
that's the difficulty. And, and I think when we talk about international football being at a higher standard, very, very often it isn't. Very often the standard of and the demands, technical demands of international football are, are not are nothing like the technical demands of playing the Premier League or La Liga or the Champions League. But when you get to a tournament and when you're that big superstar player who's expected to carry the team and so much hope is invested in in a player, that's when I think we see the real pressure and that's when we see it becoming really, really difficult. And when players don't, you know, when the team doesn't win, that player tends to get an awful lot of criticism and, and people will doubt not only his quality or whatever, but his commitment to the team. And it, it, I, I felt it was harsh with Messi in the past. I think it's harsh with, with Salah now. And I, I think it's, it's really interesting hearing, hearing the non-footballing factors which contribute to that sort of background and that, and that judgment around Salah. Yeah, Ahmed, is that fair to say that this is probably not the best supporting cast uh, at this moment in time? Don't get me wrong, um, Egypt are going to try their best. But is that the feeling that this team's probably not one of the better Egyptian teams that we've seen in the past, like we've seen in the past? If we're comparing it with the players in the late 90s and the second half of of the 2000s, so if we're comparing it to the team who won 1998, 2006, 2008, 2010, then yes. But, and this is an important but, if we're comparing it with all the national team squads that Salah has played with, this is the best one. People will say that these are the same players who played in the latest one, which we reached the final mm-hmm. and lost to Senegal on penalties. But the players have matured. Now, these players, like you have uh, Omar Marmouche, he's playing at Eintracht Frankfurt and he's a starter, he's scoring goals. You have Mustafa Mohamed, the main striker for the national team, is playing at Nantes. He's, he has been scoring many goals and also starting for Nantes. So, the players themselves matured despite them being the same players as the last AFCON. Yes, it's not the best Egyptian squad ever compared to 2006, 8, 2010, 19, 98 or whatever. But it's the best squad Salah has played with. I think a big part of the expectations in Egypt is because Egypt are seven times mm-hmm. AFCON winners. It's not related to who's playing. People just want to win in football. And also because... Al-Ahli and Zamalek are always dominant in the league. So their fans are mainly winning. So they always want to win, regardless of who's playing. Nunez is knocking defenders over. And Gakpo and Jota. There's another for Liverpool. Let's move on, and um, because obviously uh, the team Mohamed Salah does play for is Liverpool, and he's still a Premier League player as much as he is an Egyptian player. Um, Liverpool currently, Oli, uh, five points clear at the top of the Premier League, and I'm trying to break it down because the idea is that you know you lose possibly one of your best players, and that the, the team doesn't do that well. But actually, if we look at Liverpool's last game, Darwin Nunes is back on the score sheet. Diego Jota's back on the score on the score sheet. I mean, this 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 is showing a maturity of a side and uh, that that can cope without Salah. Yeah, I think I think the the real advantage Liverpool have had, or the real quality that they've they've had in in this title challenge in the season so far, is is the the depth and variety of of their attacking options. I think there have been numerous games where they've not really been firing at all for forty five minutes, an hour, uh, and then they've brought subs on and it's changed everything. I think Klopp's substitutions have been brilliant at times this season, whether it's Jota coming on, whether it's Nunez coming on, whether it's Harvey Elliott even. 
that has been a factor. So I guess you take Salah out and people can say, well, yeah, you expect Jota to, to step up. You expect Nunez to step up and Gakpo came off the bench and did a good, good, good job at, at Bournemouth on Sunday as well. It's, it's, um, they, they really looked like they were missing him in the first half as well as Alexander Arnold and Robertson and Sabaslai. Um, first half on s- Sunday, they were really poor. And then the transformation after the break was, was enormous. And, and it was, you know, one of their best attacking performances of the season, I would say. Um, so yeah, they, they, they didn't miss him in the end. Um, but they've got, they've got some big matches coming up. I mean, Fulham, Fulham League Cup semi-final, second leg, Norwich in the FA Cup, maybe a little less intense, but then Chelsea at home in the Premier League, Arsenal away in the Premier League. Um, I think we, we're to assume that Salah will not be involved in any of those games. So to me, the, all the question marks about Salah and, and, and the conflicting information, when Remy Abbas says 21 to 28 days, I don't think anybody knows whether that means 21 to 28 days from the time of the injury, which would, you know, if it's 28 days or 21 days from the time of injury, that would only take us to February the 8th, which would be in time to play in the AFCON final if, if, if Egypt are there or in time to play against Burnley if, if if he's not there. But if it's 28 days from yesterday, that takes us to the middle of February, in which case, um, yeah, he's he's got no chance of playing to, in AFCON. So it's, I guess, from Liverpool's point of view, they, they just have to find a way of coping without him for the next four games and hoping that when he's back, he's 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 not rushed back and he's firing on all cylinders. And as we're recording the podcast, actually, Liverpool assistant manager Pep Linders has spoken on Salah in a press conference ahead of Liverpool's League Cup match, as you've just mentioned, uh, Oli, with Fulham. You should never doubt the commitment of Mo Salah. I never met a guy, a player, but also a human being who's more committed to the life of being a professional football player. And... Um, I know the country is devastated losing him. We were devastated to hear that he uh, got injured. He plays the first game, scores, assists, captain, massive importance, of course. But the only reason why he, our medical team and their medical team, decided for him to come back is to give him the best possible chance to be available in the final, if Egypt reached the final. I mean, if Mohamed Salah does make a miraculous comeback... um, Egypt still need to play without him. And it's a, a question I'm fascinated by, Ahmed. This is this is the sort of debate, you know, if he, if he is out of this squad, they actually can play good football without him. As we've also seen with Liverpool, teams can cope without Mo Salah. First of all, the sample size of Egypt is playing better without Salah is one game and a half. The first game, because of the game state, Egypt were losing, so psychologically, Players didn't have anything to lose. The way the game was played in the, in the second half against Ghana helped the players because the game was always end-to-end, like players winning balls in midfield and players like Imam Ashour or Omar Marmouche and uh, Trezeguet who came on are really good at this. And then you have the Cap Verde game. You're playing against Cap Verde B, basically. But you do create chances. Egypt did play well in this game and a half. But because they played well, it doesn't mean that they are better without Salah. So this is one thing and this is the other because we don't know if Salah had played the second half against Ghana, which was a transitional game that Liverpool thrives on and Salah would be good at. And we don't know if he had played the Cap Verde game, how the national team would would have played. So yes, they've played well in this game and a half, 
but it doesn't mean that overall the team is better without Salah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm just while you're talking about Salah and Liverpool, I'm just thinking about um, the 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 new fans that Arsenal had when Kanu was playing for Arsenal, Nigerian fans. And, uh, you know, even Baltimore, I've got a few Nigerian JJ Okocha fans, <laughs> you know, back, back, back in the day. Um, but do you think the Egypt fans that follow, also follow Liverpool um, because of Salah will, will also feel con- conflicted by, by this situation as well? Yeah, definitely. It's, <laughs> it's a weird situation to be in if, if you're supporting both teams. But I've said this before, to many of people at work, Egypt has 100 plus million people. I would say 60 million or around 50 million follow football. This country is football crazy. Within this 60 million, you'll have 3 million opinions. So even within people who are supporting Egypt and Liverpool at the same time. So it's 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 really near impossible to say that yes, they'll feel like this or yes, they'll feel like that. Because even within the same set of people who are supporting Egypt and Liverpool, you'll have them many who have conflicting opinions. Regarding the, the suggestion by by Klopp and by Pep Linders that, that the, the best chance Salah has of, of being fit for the later stages of the, of the tournament, is that accepted by the Egyptian FA? Do, do people, do followers of Egyptian football, African football, take that at face value and accept that. My immediate feeling when I heard it on Sunday was, oh, that's not going to go down well. But then on balance, I thought to myself, well, Liverpool are one of the biggest and best resourced clubs in world football. They've got all the you know, technology, data, huge support staff, etc. Is that version of events accepted in Egypt? At first, it sounded really odd and it didn't go down mm. well at all, especially because... In Egypt, so there are two careers you take in Egypt. You're either an engineer, I'm an engineer <laughs> myself, or you're a doctor. We don't do other careers. <laughs> so Egypt has really, really good doctors. And there are many Egyptian doctors in the US, in the UK, everywhere in the world. So medicine is kind of something we were good at. It didn't go down well because people felt it as a bit of an insult. Today, very early morning, when Mohamed Abu Ela, the doctor of the national team, he came, he came on TV and said that it's not mainly about uh, Egypt and Liverpool. It's mainly about because it's not a base camp. We're traveling after two days where the capabilities in San Pedro, I think it's called San Pedro, the, the place that Egypt is going, it's not great. It's not the same capabilities are, as where they are staying. So they're actually moving to another city which the capabilities are not great. So according to the national team doctor, that was one of the reasons that Salah actually went back to Liverpool. Well, there will be question marks over how the welfare of Mo Salah has been managed by both club and country. Here's Sai Hughes again with his view from the Ivory Coast. Salah is an incredible footballer who used a lot of his success is based on his, his physicality and his strength and his durability. So it was a shock to see him get injured, really, I, I would say. And I think Liverpool would quite rightly have questions about how this has happened while on somebody else's watch, really. Liverpool usually send physios or have sent physios with players to previous AFCONs. They didn't do this with Salah, I believe, because they had confidence that he'd be OK. From this position, I'd be just really surprised if he if he plays again in Afcon, mainly because I don't think Egypt are that good. Equally, 
it'd be really touch and go whether he uh, he can make it. He suffered a grade two hamstring tear, which again, it t- as Rami Bash says, it does take between 21 and 28 days. So he is going to miss a big chunk of football. But this is Mohamed Salah and he might show some superpowers and somehow find his way back in Ivory Coast. But that will only happen if Egypt certainly improve from here. Oli, this is definitely a question I remember I put to Sol Bamba when we did the preview for the AFCON in terms of big institutions um, like the Premier League um, wanting their most valuable assets not to go away at a tournament and, 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 and picking up an injury just like this. But I mean, it's a tournament like any other, you know, you know, when we have the Nations League or, or, or whatever, you know, England players go off and sometimes they do come up, come back injured. It's just part and part of the parcel that you're, you, you've got an international player and they'll be going away at some point, at a pivotal point in the season perhaps. Yeah, and you just have to look at the number of games Salah has played for Liverpool, well, for Liverpool and for Egypt in the, in the opening months mm-hmm. of the season. I think it's 34 appearances now, 30 starts since... August. Most of those are ninety-minute performances because he, he doesn't he doesn't like to come off. He likes to stay on a pitch and get a chance to score as many as he can. Um, quite good at that as well. Um, but he. But yeah. Gen- generally speaking, clubs don't generally protect and rotate and rest their players with an upcoming tournament in mind or up to upcoming international break in mind. They they play them as much as they can, and then they send them away to the national team, and often they're turning up with with an injury or they're in the red zone in terms of, you know, um, general buildup of activity activity and demands being placed on the body. And sometimes they're, you know, sometimes the the national team manager will be warned, don't don't pick him, don't, don't, um, we don't want or we don't want him training the first couple of days or or, you know, handle with care at very least. And generally speaking, clubs and you you'd expect clubs and international Managers either to have a a really sort of shared approach on on what's best for the player, or or they'll just put their own interests first and they'll pick him regardless of how many miles he might have on the clock this in the season in question. And and these sort of conversations happen all the time. I mean, it's it's it, it's it's happen it happens all the time, particularly with England, where you know where where nearly all the players are coming from Premier League clubs or from big European clubs, and they're being told. You be careful with our player. You don't, or we don't want you to pick our player. It, it's it's very hard to say that when you've been picking your player in every game and ninety minutes in every game. And I know the argument will always be the clubs pay their wages, and and um, so they've got the right to, to to play them as much as they like. But yeah, I, I I sometimes feel that just with the demands that the clubs place on the players, and they know that those there are going to be increased demands. With with national team as well, maybe there is scope for clubs to be a bit more careful. But I'm not saying that specifically with with Liverpool in this case. I just think in in general. Yeah, I mean, I'll just almost like to um, debunk a lot of the naysayers, especially over here, because I, I still feel there is a, a a snootiness for Afcon. You know, uh, you know, European fans saying, "Oh, what kind of tournament is this? Why are we losing Mo Salah, our our, our best player?" Can you just articulate just how powerful and important AFCON is as an Egyptian, but also for for people that live in Africa in terms of how important this tournament is, in terms of continental glory, but also uh, bragging rights across all, all, all the countries. Yeah, as you said, and I think like similar to the Hurricane Bayern Munich England example, 
let's have uh, Phil Foden playing in Al Ahly, for example, <laughs> and that's really hypothetical. And actually, Egyptian fans being dismissive of him going to the Euros, let's reverse the table and see how how people will feel. And yes, I think it, mainly because it's coming mid-season. Like if this was in the summer, like as Oli has said, explained like minutes ago, I'm just saying if this is in the summer, like it was um, in mm. 2019 in Egypt, no one would care. Like no one would care when will this when will this player come or when will player go. But for Egyptians and Africans, like Afcon is huge. Afcon is uh, like there are some players who prefer to win Afcon than actually going to the World Cup. And this is when going to the World Cup was really hard because it was only five countries from Africa. The next World Cup will be more. I think it's nine. So it's easier to go. But for some players, even when it was only five countries going to the World Cup and you had like really tough World Cup qualification groups, some of the players still prefer to win the AFCON. That's how big AFCON is. Yeah, I'd love to hear that. Anyway, we'd have to wrap it up there. Thanks, Ahmed. Also, Oli as well. And also, Sai, for those lovely voice notes and dipping in from time to time. Please remember to rate and review the podcast if you're enjoying it. You can also subscribe to The Athletic for just $2 or £2 a month for 12 months at theathletic.com forward slash football pod. Thank you so much for listening. We're back tomorrow. You've been listening to The Athletic Football Podcast. The producers were Adonis Pratsides and Guy Clark, with additional production by Mike Stavro and Jay Beale. The executive producer was A.D. Moorhead. The Athletic.